Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Grab it, Christian! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. Welcome back to Citizen Dame, the podcast where four lady critics talk about all the things that are good and not so good in the world of Hollywood. So this is episode 11, and we... I thought we were on 12. Sorry, I was thinking 12 in my head, and I said 11. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) All right, uh, so this is episode number 12, and we have so much to talk about this week because there's been a lot of stuff. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about one of our favorite sort of quick topics. What's everyone been watching this week? Lauren, how about you? Uh, what about, oh, I've been watching, I started watching yeah. The Crown again. I am so hey. excited. <laughs> I I am, I'm not a big monarchy person, but I actually really enjoy The Crown. And so I was very excited that it came back. <laughs> I I was told to watch that by uh, my mother because she knows that I love Matthew Good and I guess he's on this season. Yeah, he's in this season. And yeah, she's like, she's like, you should watch it. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to, but I'm glad to know that he's got work. <laughs> I started to watch the first season and I loved it, but I haven't gone back and revisited it. So I need to. So I'm glad to know season two is good. Yeah, I, I loved yes. season one. It's just in that, you know, forever expanding list of yeah. things I need to watch. Yes. Um, Kimberly, what have you been watching this week? Oh, goodness. Let's. I rewatched, dove into my Call Me By Your Name screener last night. So that was probably. And Kristen hates you. <laughs> Kimberly, I, I will give that a wonderful home if you don't need it anymore. <laughs> and it has, such, it has such a good home here, too. Damn it. <laughs> uh, I screened The Shape of Water this week. Um, continuing. Uh, I, wrapped up the Orville in my TV watching adventures. It's a bit between, you know, it's it, nice. Keep him busy. And Kristen, what about you? Just know I'm giving Kimberly like some serious side <laughs> eye right now. Just, <laughs> just, ugh. um, I've been, uh, watching a lot of Christmas movies, uh, cause I've been doing some podcast episodes for my podcast Wish business. Uh, so I, I got to revisit, both versions of Miracle on 34th Street, and uh, I watched Christmas in Connecticut, which I actually recorded the episode with Lauren, yeah. uh, which was really fun. Um, and in terms of new stuff, I got to uh, finally see The Shape of Water, which was really good. Um, and I've been slowly making my way through uh, The Punisher. I'm on episode Are seven. You just there is it? no reason it. No, it's really goddamn boring. <laughs> <laughs> It could have been 10 episodes. It, it does not need to be 13. Um, but I keep getting told that episode 11 is, quote, made for me. And I don't know what that means, but God, I hope something happens. Because, like, I know that I'm only watching it for the shirtlessness, but that's really starting to, like, it's it's not enough for me. I actually need, well, like... they pad it out with shirtlessness. That's how they get 10 episodes out of, you know, the six. Oh, there's God. Just is there something wrong with scenes. that? Uh, and now... That, you know. no. no, there's nothing. <laughs> no. And that's the thing. I'm watching this, like, what is wrong with me? That I need something more, but I just... I need something more, man. Okay? <laughs> I, I don't know. You and your need for plot. You're funny. No, I'm, I'm thinking, like, at this point... 
maybe if he just took his pants off, like maybe that would help. Like I think the shirtlessness we've exhausted, and I just need I need something else. Um, because right now the only person that's like content to get naked is Ben Barnes, and I'm sorry, Prince Caspian, I don't want it. Okay, keep it. So yeah, Marvel, work on this for me for next time. I'm sure they'll get right on that. So yes, uh, this week let's see. I finally saw downsizing, and um, yeah. I don't know why Alexander Payne does not like women, but it's pretty clear that he doesn't. So uh, we can probably talk more about that later. And then this morning I was watching a movie that I should not enjoy. I should not like it. It should go against all kinds of things, but I like it a lot. And it is This Means War. <laughs> Chris oh, Pine no. and Tom Hardy and Reese Witherspoon. Directed by Mickey. Know. You know I it's just, a good film then. Oh, for sure. But I just, uh, Chris Pine and Tom Hardy are just so adorable. Chris Pine can, you know, rise yeah, above true. anything. So. Okay, but my biggest issue is we all know, like, Tom Hardy should have won that movie with a bullet, <laughs> right? Like, there's no way in hell Chris Pine walked away with the girl at the end they of that movie. both ended up with that's, girls. That's my... It was fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. That movie. I know. That I know. Movie. I shouldn't like it, but I do. I'm glad someone we does. We all have them. I'm sure, I'm sure McG is so happy right now listening. He's like crying. <laughs> like somebody liked this movie. It, really, I just like Chris Pine's eyes. I mean, that's, that you know, and that's that's what it is for me, so. You don't gotta you don't gotta apologize. You're talking to the head of the Army Hammer fan club right now, okay? I watch garbage on a regular basis. I, I binge I binge watch you Jack watch Houston's filmography in a week, okay? Right. Well speaking of garbage, um, but not we're not saying that Army Hammer is a garbage person because he's not. That was just a segue. Uh, give um well, are we? Because I was kind of questioning that this we week. We discussed just- that. But he's just wrong occasionally. Right, exactly. He's just... He's just... It happens. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so it's time for... I really need to find a little jingle for this, but it's time for This Week in Garbage People. <laughs> so I'm just going to give a quick rundown of stuff that's happened this week, and then we'll go back and actually like talk about it. So this is what happened this week. Brian Singer was officially fired from Bohemian Rhapsody after we recorded last week. So that is officially done, and there's a lot more to that story. Danny Masterson was fired from the ranch after he was accused of rape, I think, by multiple people. John Oliver had a fun little showdown with Dustin Hoffman, and um, so that was interesting. J.K. Rowling is joining in with David Yates to defend Johnny Depp, and then Dylan Farrow had an op-ed about the people, like the criticisms of you know Woody Allen working with Woody Allen, why people would choose to work with Woody Allen, and basically just kind of giving her case again on what happened to her when she was seven years old. So. Let's see. Where should we start? <laughs> um, let's Always let's the question. Let's start with I think the quickest thing that we can discuss, which is yeah. Brian Singer. Yeah, <laughs> we already talked about that, you know, a lot last week. Yes, but it is interesting that uh, was it you, Lauren, that pointed out who was it that pointed out the the whole thing with Julie Delpy trying to get that film made, and people wouldn't work with her because women are too temperamental. And yet it's happening at the same time that uh, Brian Singer, who has been allowed to just 
disappear off of movies multiple times. This is all going on. And then, of course, now Singer's been accused of raping a 17-year-old boy. Like, the case that has been rumored about for years is finally actually in the news. So we actually have more information on that. What else? Ha oh, Brian Singer claimed that the reason that he left off of the movie was because Fox wouldn't let him take care of an aging parent. So he's coming up with all kinds of excuses so it's been a fun week for which that. would be okay if that was the first time that he has di right. disappeared yeah yeah third time um yeah. yeah grandma grandma's dying doesn't really count <laughs> yeah you only have point. so many grandparents um, so uh he was yeah. he was he was quickly replaced by dexter fletcher who did eddie the eagle um so bohemian rhapsody will get those final two weeks of filming um although they say that by dga rules brian singer will probably still be credited with making probably. the movie. Probably. He just will have to share directing credits now, probably. Yeah, and he apparently is still doing interviews as if nothing is happening because he says that if audiences want Kevin Spacey to come back, he will come back. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, we just need to listen to Brian Singer tell us that, hey, Wolf would give Kevin Spacey eventually. That's just, that's great. So great. Right. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks, Brian. He is like... Oh, Brian. <laughs> The oh, thing about Brian. Brian Singer is that he, there's no good reason why people should have ever given him as many chances as they did. This is, this is like, I mean, Harvey Weinstein, I understand how that got to the level that it got in a lot of ways because people were afraid to talk about, about him because mm -hmm. he had so much power and so much influence and he was actively ruining people's careers. With Brian Singer, it's like, yeah, he's made some movies that made a bunch of money, but really, I don't see where he was allowed to have so much influence and power as he had. And I don't understand why people have let him get away with this garbage for so long. Yeah. Well, they say they say he's ingratiated himself with with some top players. So it depends. It, yeah. It's who yeah. You know. yeah. It's definitely who you know. And um, Mark Mark Harris did a thread on Twitter, I think, yesterday talking about when allegations popped up, not about sexual assault, but when um, some underage boys felt uncomfortable um, being nude while Brian Singer was making at Pupil. And he was talking about how um, Mark Harris had worked on, on at Pupil when it was being made, and Brian Singer had gotten the crew together and said that, you know, as a gay man at the time, which I think this was the, the late 90s, that essentially allegations were going to come out that were going to pen him as a child molester because that's the worst thing you can accuse a, a gay man of doing. And Mark Harris was kind of like, at the time, he's like, I really like felt that. He's all because that was a very true statement. He's all now, he's like, I'm looking at whether that it's been his cover all along. And it goes back to what I think I said back when the Harry Knowles stuff came out. You know, the concept that, oh, you can't be... Uh, a sexual predator if you're disabled and that's untrue and I think that Brian Singer is one of those that people you know definitely question whether he hides behind oh these allegations are false because of my sexuality and it, I, I think it's it's definitely insidious I mean it, he's he's easily if you look at you know something like an open secret the documentary I mean he's definitely one of the more manipulative players out there when it comes to allegations like mm -hmm. this and I'm saying I'm saying that hoping he doesn't sue me because he's also very sue yeah. happy. <laughs> I mean that's that's what's really disturbing about it. I, I read the same Twitter thread that that it's that that reaction of just of just like oh people are gonna say this about me. It's kind of like 
I think Bill O'Reilly did something similar back before he got, or maybe the first time he got accused of all these sexual harassment things that it was just like, well, people are going to come after me for this because of who I am. And it's just like, Ooh, Oh, you're getting out of it. That's really, that's really gross. You're getting out ahead of all of these allegations. Cause, cause you know, there's, there's no mm-hmm. doubt that Singer was going to do these things or was allegedly going to do these things. You know, he knew what he was up to, mm-hmm. whatever that happens to be. Right. So, all right. <laughs> well, I really hope, although, you know, it's Hollywood and who knows, but I really hope that we've basically seen the last time that his name appears in film credits because he he's one that really needs to go away. And after the charges came up, the rape charge allegations came up, I just kept thinking like one of these, well, all of them really, but if, you know, we need to see at least one of these guys go to prison because I can't believe how many of these people have been getting away with this for so long. Someone needs to pay for this and not just by writing a check. They need to go away. So many names are getting mentioned yet. We're, we're just, the names are coming out, but little's happening beyond that. Well, I think that's a good segue into our next next horrible person who might actually have a shot at going and to honestly, jail. And honestly, I think he's probably the most likely, which is unfortunate because he's one of the lower bit, you know, people that have come out, but uh Danny Masterson. So, he man. So, yeah. Danny Masterson, he's currently on the show The Ranch on Netflix. He was probably at least for a while best known for being on that 70s show, and he has been he's under investigation right now for accusations of rape multiple rape allegations and um he did get fired from the show so he's off the ranch now one thing i found interesting in the danny masterson situation there's for those of you who don't follow leah remini's scientology show she is on uh, she started this show that's all basically just about exposing the truth about the Church of Scientology. And her co, like, co-producer, like co co-partner, host with of the show is Mike Rinder, who used to be very high up in the Scientology organization. He knows, I mean, where the bodies are buried, so to speak. He knows so much dirt on the Church of Scientology. He knows all of the tricks that they do, all the manipulations, and all the ways that they try to ruin the lives of anybody they consider suppressive. And he wrote, he has a blog that he maintains, and he wrote all about Danny Masterson and the ranch and why it took so long for this to all come about because these charges have been out against him for a long time, or these accusations. And it's, it comes, basically Mike Rinder is saying it comes back to Scientology. They don't want to have to hand over any information that they might have. And they have, there's a lot of people that have talked about how the Church of Scientology, they have the police in their pocket because they'll hire a lot of off-duty police officers Mm -hmm. to do private security for them. They have a lot of people in the DA's office and things like that. So they're able to bury this stuff. And so Danny Masterson is big time Scientologist. And so Rinder and some other people as well are basically saying that the reason that this has been, he's been able to get away with this for so long is because of his ties to Scientology and that the church has actively been protecting him. So it's like in a weird and hopeful way, this situation could actually bring down two pretty bad situations, you know? Well, I, I mean, yeah, so I think Scientology's I, time has definitely. come. Yes. 
I think I'm a bit more cynical about him considering how long it took Netflix to respond. I mean, they were rightly they were on Kevin yeah. Spacey. They exactly. They were rightly criti- they were rightly criticized for how swiftly they kicked off Kevin Spacey, but allowed the show to the the ranch to be renewed, which if memory serves, I mean, Netflix doesn't put out numbers, but the ranch is not considered one of like their top tier shows, Correct. which people right. found bizarre from the jump. And, I mean, this is like, people were saying, this wasn't Kevin Spacey creating a toxic work environment. This was provable allegations, as far as what's been released, of, of rape and assault of, of multiple women. And it didn't help matters that Danny Masterson's, I guess, publicist or agent was talking to one of the victims saying, you can't rape your a person if you're in a relationship with them. And then a Netflix CEO was talking to a woman at a children's soccer game and said that the reason that they didn't cancel the show was because no one believed the accusations to be true. And the woman that was talking to this Netflix CEO said, well, I'm one of those people that's accused him. And she and huh. that's, yeah, that's when it essentially they were like, we, we, they couldn't ignore it at that point. So I'm, I'm a bit more disheartened. I, I don't think it's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, but it's definitely a start. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is interesting that, you know, you've got Kevin Spacey and House of Cards is definitely a higher rated show than The Ranch. Oh, yeah. It has yes. to be. It's definitely yes. more critically acclaimed. Um, and Kevin Spacey as an actor is far more respected than Danny Masterson has mm-hmm. ever been. Yeah. Like, if Danny Masterson is the fifth lead on that 70s right. show. Uh, you know, and I, I don't think we can underrate the issue of allegations about men abusing uh, young men or boys allegations about men abusing women and there does still seem to be there's a heavier weight to getting rid of actors or directors or producers etc who who abuse boys as opposed to actors directors etc who abuse girls and that just seems to be still a part of the culture that we come down much harder on on abuse of young boys by men and i i think that that's part of the patriarchal structure that right. that's part of what we're dealing with, that women will not be believed. Women are secondary. Women are have something to gain somehow. I'm, not, I'm still not quite sure what, but we have something to gain apparently when we make these accusations. Um, and so I think that that along with, you know, everything else that has been going on is, is a good explanation as to, as to why Masterson hasn't been taken down sooner. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm applauding on on the other side of my mic here. That was brilliantly (laughs) said, Lauren. Well, another (laughs) thing that came up, too, as far as Netflix goes, and a lot of people criticized them for how quickly they got rid of Spacey because of the way that they announced that. They were already planning on canceling the show after episode or after the sixth season, and they made it seem like they decided to do it because of Kevin Spacey, but they were actually already planning on it. Now they have made changes, and they got rid of him, and they're going to have the sixth season without him now, and all that. But but I don't I don't think Netflix yeah. has handled any of these situations in the best way or as quickly as they maybe should have. Especially given the fact that with Spacey, a lot of the stuff about him has been people saying, oh, he's been horrible to work with the entire time we've been doing this show. It's like, why didn't they ever deal with that before? Oh, because he's a big star and it's a big hit show. So, yeah, no. because yeah. he's Kevin Spacey. Well, you, see that, you see that with so many of these men that are getting accused mm-hmm. of things. You saw that with Harvey Weinstein also. That everybody was like, yeah. Harvey is an asshole. Like, it's it's not even that, oh, he's yes, he's a, he's a rapist and an abuser right. of women, which is what we have learned. 
but he's also just never been right. a nice person. And that's one of again one of those things that we're we're willing to accept these men behaving badly up until the point that you know all of these multiple rape ac- accusations come out. But really, this sort of thing shouldn't be allowed to begin with. Kevin Spacey shouldn't be allowed to bully people, regardless exactly. of whether or not he's a rapist. It's just not exactly, and no. it drives me crazy. Power, power like I've corrupts. been in situations where people have said. Oh, as long as you stay on his good side, you're fine. Like, why do I have to stay on his good side? Why doesn't he just be a nice person? You know, I've never met Kevin Spacey, but, you know, other people, like, it's so ridiculous that I, I, it's on, like, why does it have to be on me to tiptoe around these people just because of who they think they are? Like, just don't be an asshole. Yeah. And and it, Mm -hmm. it, it feeds into this whole thing about like, artists are difficult. Artists are... You know, artists are bullies, artists are mean, artists, you know, this is part of what they are, and we have to accept that. And it seems like we primarily have to accept that with white male artists. I was about to say, white male artists can be difficult and temperamental. Women can still be a bitch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anybody else, like, you can't be difficult and temperamental. You can't behave badly and still be acceptable, but except for white dudes. White dudes, Mm -hmm. you know... Well, but they're artists. Yeah. Like, no. Well, still and speaking of, like let's uh, talk about Mr. Woody Allen for a bit, shall we? Because that's, yeah. <laughs> Woody. Well, because that's Good what segment. that actually fit in really perfectly. But um, that is something that is has been a big question mark for years, you know. Way before I'd ever heard about Dylan Farrow, I remember what a big deal it was when when the story came out about his relationship with Sun Yi. And... You know, they both insisted mm-hmm. nothing happened while she was underage, but it still was just such a weird, creepy story. And he's essentially married to his stepdaughter now. And that always that always was weird and wrong to me, but it was one of those things where, okay, technically it's not illegal, so whatever. But then eventually at some point I heard about Dylan Farrow, and that was when I was just like, wait, why do people allow this stuff to go on why has he been not only allowed to have this career but he's a celebrated director and screenwriter and he's just gotten away with so being this this creep guy that has these accusations hanging over his head basically by just never talking about them not allowing anybody around him to ever talk about them and it's one of those things it's like oh well we just don't address that and it's like it's like discrediting it by not by not acknowledging it so i don't know it's it's interesting but dylan farrow had a new op-ed this week in the la times that was really interesting because she took the you know took this opportunity as all these things have been coming out she was just like why are people still working with woody allen and and her whole point was that the me too revolution has basically been it's great that people are talking about it, but what are we doing about it? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and Woody Allen is one of those who I think has had no shame about still commenting on his personal life in his films. I mean, he's making a new movie right now that stars Al Fanning as like, a, I think a 17 year old girl who's dating Jude Law, who is supposed oh, to be, he, he's you know, doing that again. Yes. Yes. Oh, and I, I mean, again, I, I think Manhattan, that plot line, I don't even think it worked in the 70s when that movie came out. 
and it's it's even worse now so you know and and it brought up a lot of people asking why uh it just led to a lot of celebrities putting their foot in their mouth like kate winslet you know talking about how how he writes strong women and and women are so content to work with them because uh, i think she said he's kind of feminine himself and he understands the female yeah, he's mind. almost a woman or something i was like what? um no that's whoa. not how that works whoa <laughs> exactly i mean <laughs> i mean i i will say i will say he his films i'm not going to make a comment on woody allen his, uh, there are a number of his films that do construct very strong female characters very interesting female characters I don't think there's any doubt of that. You can't you can't look at Annie Hall and say that Annie Hall is is a cipher in any way. Exactly. Um, you know, any a lot of the films that he made with Mia Farrow, you know, and and so if you remove yourself in in terms of just from a, and knowing anything about what is actually going on behind the camera and really think about his female characters, to that degree, and I want to be really careful when I say this, to that degree, I think that Kate Winslet has a point. That being said, she is making a massive error by continuing to defend Woody Allen. And to say, like, oh, he's almost like a woman himself. What does that... I I don't even know how to interpret that or how to understand that, particularly in light of all of these accusations. Well, she's she's by Um, far not the worst offender of of saying stupid stuff about Woody Allen. I think, what was it, Kate Blanchett said she didn't know the full story and she'd have to learn more in order to judge accurately how she felt about the allegations or something to that to that degree when Blue Jasmine came out. It was just like, well, I don't know I don't know the story, so I'd have to learn more other than the fact that like the story is is that he's accused of molesting his child. Like you don't really need to know both yeah. sides. I was just reading the LA Times op ed and so many of those quotes just seem like these actresses just talking to try and get around something they you know, they they couldn't say. And I'd be wonder I'd be curious to know what's worked out contractually on the other end that we don't mm-hmm. hear about. Yeah, and, and I mean, you have to say, uh, at, at each of these points, mo- these women are not speaking off the cuff when they're not promoting a film. Kate Winslet is promoting a film. Kate Blanchett was promoting a film. That doesn't excuse them. And that doesn't say, you you know, if you, you turn around and you look, like so, uh, you look at someone like Ellen Page, who recently basically said, I regret working with him, and I made a mistake doing it. And I think that that's a totally legitimate reaction to have, and I wish that Winslet and Blanchett would actually come out and say something mm-hmm. like that. At the same time, it's it's harsh to uh, to put the onus on women and on female actresses to say to basically condemn the person that they just made a movie with and that they are just working with. Now, then the question becomes: Should they continue to work with him? Because you have, I mean, you know, Winslet is <laughs> Winslet is a multiple offender. In this case, she's mm-hmm. worked with Polanski also. Uh, and and have a lot of good things to say about him and his process as well. So there's there's a whole lot of disturbing stuff that's going on. I will say the it's interesting that the women are asked these questions. Oh yeah, absolutely. way more yeah, than the men. Very are. true. And you look at the number of men who have worked with Woody Allen or with Roman Polanski or with any of these guys multiple times, and no one says. So how do you feel about? working with someone that's been accused of child molestation right. or sexual assault. You know, how do you feel about that? It's all like, well, let's ask the women. 
We'll say, well, but it's why? Why is it just the women that need to that need to explain them their their reasoning behind this behind working with these guys? Well, I mean, if and I was I guessing, I would say it's probably because the women are in more of a position to potentially be victims, and so they're signing up to put themselves mm-hmm. in that position, sort in that sort of thinking. But I agree with you completely. It's not just about these actresses that sign on to his films. It's the mm-hmm the camera operators it's the you know it's everyone who is involved in these projects needs to really stop and think like what am what am i saying by signing on for this film and it's not fair just to ask kate winslet or kate blanchett about it you know let's talk to i can't even think like all of a sudden my brain just went blank but yeah, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg, Eisenberg or Colin Firth yes. or some of these other people that have worked Alec right. Baldwin, well. who has done it yeah. multiple times yeah. and gets very mad. Yeah. Um, well, and then that leads that leads to, I think, our special subsection, <laughs> which is why does Army Hammer keep making himself known on this podcast by doing something stupid? So <laughs> I, we're going to shorten that subsection <laughs> at some point. But, but you know, we, we talked about it, I think, a couple episodes ago about now we're at the point where we're asking people who haven't worked with, with with any of these guys or have, and you have to have like an answer prepared at this point, or and and you usually don't have a good series of options. So a couple days ago, there was an interview that came out that people latched onto that that everybody tended to argue was Army Hammer saying that he didn't feel like working with Roman Polanski or Woody Allen would be a problem. That was how everybody latched onto it. If you read the full context of the interview, which no one did, his argument was is that if he was ever asked to make a Roman Polanski or Woody Allen movie, he would have to decide whether he could separate the art from the artist and as a person live with that decision to do it. And the okay, so that's not the worst answer in the world. So then it turned into, like, yesterday, he had to publicly apologize for his comments about Casey Affleck that he made, like, a week ago, where he said that there was a double standard because Birth of a Nation got buried over the Nate Parker stuff, but then Casey Affleck got the Oscar. And, like, a week passes and he has to apologize for it, and we were just like, wait, what? So yeah, he needs to just, just stop. Stop opening the beautiful mouth. Just close it for a little bit. (laughs) Little bit. And I don't think... A lot of people were like, oh, that's because he wants the Oscar and he doesn't want to piss off the body of people that are going to vote for him. And I I said, I don't think that's it at all. Because even though there's been a sea change in his personality in, like, the last week, I think that possibly somebody from, like, Casey Affleck's camp called him and said, I'm going to sue you. And I think that that's what happened. The point is, just just shut the beautiful mouth, just for just for a little bit, just stop. Yeah, yeah just get yeah. through Ar- rewards. Army season. Hammer. Exactly. All you have to do. Army Hammer and Kate Winslet. All you have to, to do is get <laughs> through, to you know, to to March, and you can say whatever the fuck you want. And no one's gonna care except me. <laughs> well, I I did find his comments about about I think he was initially talking about Polanski very interesting because they're ones that anybody and we've talked about it a couple of times in this podcast so I won't rehash all of it but that whole idea of can you separate the art and the artist can you for an actor as as an actor be like I want to work with someone because they are brilliant at what they do mm-hmm. versus I have to as a human being reconcile that brilliance with the fact that they have done or possibly are doing horrible things 
And that issue is something that we're constantly, particularly right now, dealing with in discussing film and talking about art. That, and so I've, I've actually felt that his observations in that case, and he didn't particularly come down on, yes, I would totally work with Polanski. He was just like, I don't know what I would do. Um, and I did find it interesting that people leapt on him for not knowing. Right. For not not ex- not being like, no, Roman Polanski is, is completely anathema to me and I would never, ever, ever work with him, period. Because he is he is acknowledging the fact that this is an artist. This is someone whose art I respect and I like, uh, who has also who's also a bad person. Yeah. And where am I? What am I going to do with that? What would I do with that? Uh, and uh, so I actually I appreciated the nuance of the art. Exactly. Actually. And then he immediately fucks it up by apologizing to Casey Affleck, like to Casey Affleck. Oh, yes. sweetie, you had one job. One job. Just stop, please, okay? Just just for me. Do it for me, okay? Oh, who's the next dumpster fire we're looking at? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's briefly bring up Johnny Depp, because that's really quick, because most that dumpster fire. So so do you want me to do you want me to throw this out because I have the article anymore, in front of so me? So yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the continued adventures of what does Johnny Depp have on all these people? Is he a Scientologist? I don't know, because he's got Scientology-level powers, apparently. But um, J.K. Rowling is apparently sick of being asked about why Johnny Depp is still with this uh, Fantastic Beast franchise. And she took to Twitter to say that she thought that when Johnny Depp was cast in the film that she thought, quote, he'd be wonderful in the role. Uh, quote, I'm just going to read it verbatim. However, around the time of filming his cameo in the first movie, stories had appeared in the press that deeply concerned me and everyone most closely involved in the franchise. Uh, as David Yates, longtime Potter director, has already said, we naturally considered the possibility of recasting. I understand why some have been confused and angry about why that didn't happen. For me personally, the inability to speak openly to fans about this issue has been difficult, frustrating, and at times painful. However, the agreements that have been put in place to protect the privacy of two people, both of whom have expressed a desire to get on with their lives, must be respected. Based on our understanding of the circumstances, the filmmakers and I are not only comfortable sticking with our original casting, but genuinely happy to have Johnny playing a major character in the movies. So, she has no problem with it. Um, because according to her, everybody's moved on. Who cares? Um, and, and people had pointed this out when she made the statement that the day the allegations came out, she was liking on Twitter anti-Amber Heard articles. Really? Yeah, that is that is what yeah. people were uh, posting uh, screen caps of. So yeah, um, I guess I guess Johnny Depp is just so wonderful of a performer that um, we should just ignore all of this. That's all I got, really. I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of flummoxed with that whole thing. So uh, let's let's just move on because I have nothing uh, more to add. John Oliver and Dustin Hoffman, Karen, what what are what are we throwing out here for this? Because this was pretty cool. <laughs> well, did you guys see that video? I I heard it. Yeah. I didn't see the actual video of so, it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember because I didn't link link it here, but. John Oliver was doing a 20th anniversary Q&A or however long it's been for right, Wag the right. Dog with uh, Robert <laughs> De Niro and, and Barry Levinson and uh, Dustin Hoffman. And this was before more allegations against Dustin Which Hoffman Which I can't out. believe that movie was um, 20 years ago, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, and mind you again, more allegations against Dustin Hoffman have come out in the last 24 hours. Right. 
And um, John Oliver was asking him questions about how he felt about this movement and how how the film played with uh, what was going on and was very pointed and very heated about it. And Dustin Hoffman got uh, really pissed and said that John Oliver was condemning him unjustly, that it was guilty until proven innocent, and there were some people who were clapping at John Oliver and saying that he was awesome for finally holding uh, a man accountable. Jessica Chastain took to Twitter and said that it is time for men to hold other men accountable for what they've done. Um, Ron Perlman said John Oliver should have just done his job and not asked him these questions. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm pro John Oliver in this instance. Yeah, well, and a lot of people have been debating on Twitter and everywhere about if it was the right time and place to talk about this. And uh, it's it's really interesting how how the camps have kind of formed, you know, on one side or the other. And uh, what was it? There was something specifically that he said. Oh, yeah. Um, so Hoffman's trying to, like, defend himself against uh, some of the allegations and stuff and he's like I still don't know who this woman is I never met her if I met her it was in concert with other people Oliver dismissed that as insufficient then cited Hoffman's response at the time of the allegation that the actor's behavior on set was not reflective of who he really is it's not reflective of who I am it's that kind of response to this stuff that pisses me off Oliver said it is reflective of who you were if you've given no evidence to show it didn't happen then there was a period of time for a while when you were a creeper around women it feels like a cop-out to say it wasn't me do you understand how that feels like a dismissal like it's just so beautiful and it's like you know when I first because I didn't see it happen I read about it and then then I watched the video. So at first I was like, oh, I don't know if that was really the time, but it's definitely an appropriate conversation to have. But then when I watched the video, I was like, you know what? Fuck Dustin Hoffman. You go, John Oliver. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm sitting here going, yeah. go, John Oliver. Yeah. So. Well, and that's that's really, I think, the point that we need to be at now because it's one thing for us to be kind of like a genderized us versus them kind of sisters doing it for themselves mentality but with with Hollywood being so skewed towards men I mean it's up to their male colleagues to be like hey knock this shit off and start treating women like you know the same as you would anybody else I mean it's it's kind of up to the male gender at this point to start kind of educating their brothers I mean you have to have allies allies. that's what it comes down to and yeah, was, one of the things oh go ahead yeah it was i, I was just gonna say one of, one of the things that i really liked about it was that it was a man in power who he had he had a, a platform he had a position he was able to ask questions you know he he i watched the video he didn't feel like he was ambushing hoffman hoffman got mm-hmm. very defensive very quickly and but here was oliver who finally was in a, a position that not a lot of women are going to be right. in of fairly equal power with someone who has been accused of these things and essentially saying like, okay, we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about it publicly. Uh, The other thing that I, I did find, I did find funny kind of awkward everything is that if you watch the video, you've got John Oliver sitting on one end of the stage. Dustin Hoffman is like opposite him on the other. And in the (laughs) middle is Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. And De Niro looks so uncomfortable like De Niro just stares straight ahead and hardly moves 
throughout the entire conversation. And you're just like, oh my God, Robert De Niro, I don't know what you're thinking, but I want to know it's so, so true. much. Yeah. But one of, but it's, yeah, I, I, you know, I really support the fact that John Oliver did this and I applaud him for doing it because I think this comes back around to what Dylan Farrow was saying in her op-ed. It's not just enough to say, yeah, this happened to me once upon a time. We have to confront these guys and we have to keep hounding them. We can't let them rest. You know, when you've been a victim, you don't get a break from that. You may not you know, wrap yourself in the victim cloak, but it doesn't go away. There's not a day go that goes by that you don't think about stuff that happened to you. And we can't let these guys get away with this stuff, you know, just because it's uncomfortable to talk about or it's not the right place, you know, screw that. I think the time for that is over. It's always the right time and place now. Yeah. So. And I think that segues us nicely into news, <laughs> finally. Yeah, let's go into news. So we have a big story that came out early this week. Time Magazine named their Person of the Year, and I really wish they would fix their grammar, but they have named the Person of the Year as the Silence Breakers. Which, which I'm sure our president... God, I wish he took a cue from that um, and just maybe stayed silent. I don't know, but yeah. uh... <laughs> that's never gonna happen. Yeah, this this no. was um, this was kind of the worst kept secret because I had been hearing about this for a couple of days leading up to it that th this was gonna be what they were gonna. Well, they do. released a short list. Um, although they were, yeah, they did have a short list that included like Pat. It included like Patty Jenkins, um, and it did include Donald Trump. So go figure. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was really really good. Um, of course, there was criticism of who made the cover yeah. um, because Taylor Swift was included on the on the cover uh, as opposed to some of the women of color who have been uh, a part of this movement like the the woman who created the Me Too um, hashtag and um, Gabrielle Union uh, you know Taylor Swift I, we won't talk about it here because it's just going to take too long but I, her her uh, allyship I'm not going to dispute her her sexual assault allegations at all but some of her, her allyship has been a little bit wonky here. It has, but, but let's face it, she's I mean, on the cover to sell magazines to fangirls, so. Exactly, oh, yeah. and exactly. I was going to say, if exactly. it gets somebody to pick it up, then mm -hmm. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's grammar issues aside. <laughs> naming the Silence Breakers <laughs> as the person of the year, it felt it felt right. It felt appropriate, and it was like, well, of course they have to be, because there has not been... In all the things that have happened this year, there has not been a bigger story than these women coming out and finally sharing and, and opening up the world to what's really been going on in Hollywood, in politics, in, you know, in everything. And even though there have been a lot of women that have been trying to talk for a lot of years and they've been silenced, it's like, finally this happened now. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for... A lot of that stemming from the fact that Trump won instead of Hillary Clinton. And so it's been kind of this mm -hmm. evolution, I think, of women just saying, you know what, I'm tired of being silenced. And all year we've seen more and more of women coming to the forefront. And I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see them on the cover of Time Magazine. I think this is appropriate and great. So what do you guys think? Yay. Yeah. Well, as speaking as a political nerd myself as well, uh, the wave is starting to spread towards the East Coast as well. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what, you know, people start, women starting to make their voices heard in Washington, D.C. and 
clearing some of the air out mm-hmm. there as well. This choice with our current administration and with what is going on in politics, this it was a perfect choice. Yeah, absolutely. Lauren? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, in, I'm in complete agreement. I, uh, and I do agree that, that some of this is galvanized as a result of not just Trump, but, but um, everything that's been going on politically. Uh, it's it's that sense that you know people were so despairing and so angry and we've now reached a point of just like you know what screw it this I'm done I'm I'm angry and uh, and you are going to listen to my anger finally and I think that we're you know we're all a bunch of film critics I think we're seeing that in our industry I think that we're seeing it right across the board and you know good for time for actually recognizing yes. it because they mm-hmm. could have gone a lot of different ways and they didn't and they made a very good decision so congratulations to all of the women that are silence breakers and men too you know there have been a lot exactly and and he should be because that was yeah they they were huge in this movement and so congratulations to all of them thank you so much for speaking out and to everyone who has been in some sort of position where you've you know you've had to come out and and share horrible stories of things that have happened to you like this this is this is for all of us i think so so good some other news that's you know not as exciting and awesome (sighs) apparently disney is continuing to move forward with remaking all of their movies as live action movies and they're now looking toward the little mermaid with uh director rob marshall Disney's in-house, the only person that they know who can make a musical. Um, Yeah, or if Bill Condon's not available. Um, Yeah, I I talked about this earlier, so um, I've been a fan of The Little Mermaid since I was five years old. Yes, I know it's not feminist, okay, but we all have our gateways. Eric is cute, Um, okay? (laughs) uh, Ursula Ursula is a badass bitch, and you know what? I love it. She's like my favorite villain in all the Disney movies. She is my fave. Um, so I've been I've been very um, protective of this story, even though I know it's a step up from the original Hans Christian Andersen story. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the one that Sofia Coppola was contemplating doing Once Upon a Time. This is uh, the uh, specifically a remake of the Disney version. Yeah, um, and this is and, not yeah. the Little Mermaid that's coming out late like in a few months that's already done and it's nothing related to this at all so exactly um but from what i heard um rob marshall is reading the script for this and will make a decision around the new year but they think he's gonna do it um it's not surprising that they would consult him he's been successful for disney with the musicals before um with chicago and with um into the woods he also got them a billion dollars on a Pirates movie he did on Stranger Tides. So um, I guess we just forget nine in there. Um, well, and he's also working in Mary Poppins. And that's Poppins right. He did just too. do Mary Poppins Returns. So oh, it's not God. a stretch that he's going to do this. But considering how the story is already questionable, we couldn't have found one woman. Ava was busy. I mean, come on, guys. Couldn't have found one lady to direct this movie. Please. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go because like, I tend to go see Rob Marshall's stuff yeah. well, and I love The Little Mermaid, but... Right, and I mean, putting aside the fact that, dang it, why do they have to remake all these movies and they shouldn't even be yes. making it in the first place? That's a separate did issue. We not see, <laughs> did we not see Beauty and the Beast? I'm sorry, but it sucked, okay? The remake. 
Um, I, I'm sorry if I offended anybody, but I thought that was horrible being made this year. <laughs> and it made a it billion did. dollars, which is why we're going to exactly. keep seeing these yeah. god-awful, already-known properties. Yeah. yeah. And stop seeing them and we people and we will stop. They will speaking stop of, of women who can't get involved in the franchise, Star Wars, on Star Wars premiere day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I mean, we're having a hard time. It's weird because the series is the entire franchise is run by a woman and you know Kathleen Kennedy has done great things in the way that she's brought this universe forward but it is weird that there has not been any and I that I know of any consideration of any female directors to take over any of these films either in the trilogy or in the outside films it's funny because the latest rumor is that she wants to talk to Taika Waititi about directing a Star Wars film and I'm actually intrigued by that it's really funny I saw <laughs> yeah I mean don't get me wrong yeah the the concept of getting Taika Waititi to do it would be great yeah but, but it's like still where are the women at but there was a tweet I saw earlier about Taika Waititi doing it and someone's like he's the only person that can make a Jar Jar Binks film work. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was I was sitting there, I was joking with somebody. I'm like, if we get Taika Waititi to do this, then we're going to get my my Star Wars trio, including my Oscar Isaac, talking about how there's been an orgy on this, this spacecraft or something. If you've seen Thor Ragnarok, you'll get uh-huh. it. Um, yeah, so, I mean... This- this is this is the beginning of the core yeah. of the I, universe, guys. I mean, come on. Core. This is like we're just it, it's it's just going to be his adventure. I'm telling you, space and time. Porgy, Porgy and Poe. I have a plot. I will <laughs> I will write it out. It will be amazing. I'm seeing it as like before sunrise in space. There you go. But the point is, Taika is great, and I would love to see him in a galaxy far, far away. But we also need to mix it up and bring in some women. Yes. Because there are great women. But they have also, they have shown, and I've heard, and I don't have a source, so I'm really hesitant to bring it up. I mean, I have seen quotes from, I want to say Kennedy, about just, it's making it sound like they have a very reluctance to take, you know, take a risk. And they're showing now, especially after they've had to fire, what, two... The, the um, Lego movie guys that got fired off of the Lord and Miller, movie. yeah. Yes, and Colin Trevorrow. They're going back to JJ, going to Ron, Ron Howard. They were trying to take these risks, and now it's going to get even harder for a female director to get in there because they are so dead set against trying something new. And I, had, I remember seeing a quote from her basically saying that if she knew of a woman who could handle the franchise, she would do it. But then it's like they're t- they took these gambles on these male directors and failed. So I just, I lose, it makes yeah, me lose my heart. And makes well, me stop, take, stop taking risks on mediocre well, women. Well, like, God damn it. Kathleen, what are you talking about? You are a woman in charge of this franchise. You're in charge of it. It's yours. <laughs> like, why is it such a stretch to think that a woman could handle directing it? We just saw Wonder Woman make $830 million this year. You know, it's like, come on. There are women that can do this. They just aren't given those opportunities. And the reason that we haven't seen a woman with the filmography that it would take to do a Star Wars movie is because they haven't been given the chance. Meanwhile, people get, keep giving Colin Trevor. But at least this one got taken away from him. So <laughs> yes, 
like that right there is enough for me to love Kathleen Kennedy. Uh-huh. That felt like a personal victory when that happened. But but yeah, we need some women in in the mix. So even if they're that worried about it, like go with a co-director for a film. You know, something. You know, give a woman a foot in the door, and then Marvel's at yeah, least doing that exactly. <laughs> so that'd be it. Would be a good start. It's not the solution, but it would be it would be a start. So it's a step. Exactly. Um. So. There were some other news items, but I don't know. Kristen, you want to talk about Annihilation really quick? Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about this really, really quickly. So Annihilation comes out in February. It's the new Alex Garland sci-fi movie that I'm really excited. Um, Oscar Isaac has no business being in it, but he is. Um, so I'm kind of uh, contractually obligated to go. <laughs> but uh, it's going to come out here Martin Luther King weekend. But if you live in any other country that's not the U.S., you will be able to screen it on Netflix 17 days after it releases here. And a lot of people are saying that this is obviously proof that the movie sucks, that that Paramount doesn't want to take a risk on a high concept uh, sci-fi movie that could, that could bomb. And a lot of people are also saying that no, um, this is essentially, I guess, to please the two producers. One of them refused to make changes. There was a really disastrous press screening and supposedly um, one of the producers said, people aren't gonna like it because it's quote, too cerebral and it's not entertaining because apparently he didn't see Ex Machina. <laughs> and so I guess it's supposed to please both of them that, that we still get the stateside release so they can uh, make a lot of money here, but then it won't lose a lot of money um, horribly if it bombs terribly because you'll, you'll get the back end on Netflix, which is a smaller footprint. Either way, it's a it's a test case for what could be the future of release. Considering if this does well, you might see your favorite movies on Netflix maybe quicker than waiting for them on home video. I don't know. The point is, I'm excited and I I'm gonna go see it. So yay! <laughs> All right. And there was one other interesting piece of news that popped up this week, which is sort of in between possibly the garbage people thing and just regular news. But uh, it was just regular garbage. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting garbage. because. So John Travolta is in a new movie called Gaudy. He plays John Gaudy, the Teflon Don, the Dapper Don, all these other nicknames that you have for him. He was the head of the Gambino crime family. And nothing says Gambino crime family like John Travolta. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> As directed by yeah. Kevin oh, Yeah, that was an interesting choice. So this film was supposed to premiere this coming week. And 10 days before the premiere, it got canceled. Lionsgate reverted the rights of distribution back to the producers and said okay we're not doing this anymore which a lot of people were like "Ooh, all right cool news is going to come out about john travolta finally because there have been a lot of rumors about him over the years well then the next day john travolta was like uh no that's not at all what happened he's claiming that he didn't like the Lionsgate's approach to distribution because they were going to give it a very small theatrical release and treat it like an art house film and he considers this to be his best work in years and he wants it to go yeah. to a larger audience so he got another another distributor who is actually a Broadway producer and has just has done a few other movies as well uh, so he bought the rights back from Lionsgate and so now they're going to sometime in the next couple of months do a more they're planning to do a wider release than what Lionsgate was planning so <sighs> movie still looks like ass so. yeah yeah it does not look good speaking 
Speaking of movies that could look like ass, let's let's, let's talk, talk about some trailers. trailers. <laughs> there were a few of those this week, and there are more coming <laughs> in the days to come. But um, so one that came out last week, actually, that we just we were so overwhelmed with stuff to talk about, we missed it. But that was Mary Magdalene with which stars Rooney Mara as Mary Magdalene and Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus. As Jesus, because. <laughs> <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix makes me feel the need to go Keeping to church in the and grand repent. Grand tradition so. of Jesus. I grand tradition of Jesus performances by incredibly white people. I mean, here's people. here's my thing. Yes. yes, I am the first person to tell you that I have a list of people that I have quote call, referred to as sexy Jesus, and any one of them could have been picked. And would have been perfect, and would have been a man of color. But we, the best we got is Joaquin Phoenix. I, why don't we just get River Phoenix resurrected? That would be more Jesus-like, okay? <laughs> oh, I miss River Phoenix. I miss him. I know, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Oh, but yeah. We should mention this is directed by Garth Davis, who did Lion last year, mm-hmm. which uh, I loved, by the way. Mm-hmm. I loved. I didn't see it. That made. That made me so sad to see this because I mean I will say this trailer bored me to tears. Yeah, yeah. And I, as soon as I saw that it was the same director who did Lion, that made me so sad because that was a high point for me of last award mm-hmm. season, and was just such a brilliant, beautifully made film. To see it, you know, him follow up with something that looks as trite and as boring as this yeah. yeah all i got from the trailer is that rooney mara walks around in a hipster veil and uh joaquin phoenix gets crucified <laughs> yeah, about well, it. it was That's... really interesting because as we heard about this film which he actually missed out on a lot of stuff garth davis did last year promoting lion because he was in the middle east filming this and um we weren't sure because it was very very limited information about it so we didn't know what sort of you know approach they were taking to this because in the bible mary magdalene is you know she's a sinner and most people assume that she was a prostitute even though it's not actually you know confirmed in the bible that that's what her sin is but um but that's just the general acceptance of of what what she was all about and but she develops a very close relationship with jesus throughout his his time and so it's really unclear, like, it was, you know, what what exactly was the movie going to focus on and how much of a role was, was Jesus even going to play in this story? And then the trailer came out and I was like, oh, there's so many directions they could have gone with this. And I feel like they're... They missed each and every one. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't even hope that this yeah. is, like, just a, not a good trailer. Like, it really made me think, nope, this isn't going to be... This isn't going to be what it sh- what it could be, so it's too bad. March March thirtieth, yeah, is, uh, the release date. I I do I do have to say two things though. One, the, there are two things that made me slightly oh, hopeful me. about the trailer. Uh, one is that despite the fact that we have two white people heading up the cast, it is a fairly multi ethnic cast. You've got two Elijah is Peter. Um, an actor named Sahir Rahim is Judas. You know, so you've got an interesting mix actually of of races and ethnicities in a biblical story which is not something we tend to see that is very true that's Um, a good point you know including including exodus which is like (laughs) all of the white people in ancient (laughs) egypt 
Uh, so, so there's that. The other thing, and at least what the trailer depicts, and we'll have to see what the film actually does, is that this is also the not totally clean, lovely, happy Jesus, but pissed off Jesus flipping tables in the temple. And as, as just, as someone who has seen a lot of biblical films, my father teaches religion in film, so he does a lot of these movies. It's, I think that would actually be interesting to see, to see, you know, Jesus, Jesus and Mary Magdalene and all of the disciples actually being treated as human beings who were also rebels, who were making trouble, who, you know, Jesus was basically crucified because he was pissing off the powers that be. And, and so I have maybe slightly more hope for this film well, than and, everybody and else Well, and you does. bring up some really good points. And one of the things that initially had me intrigued in, about it is it's interesting to see a tale about Jesus told from the perspective of one of the women in his life. So, you know, yes. that's not a version of events that we get very often. So this, this just reminds me that I get to have my once a year viewing of the nativity story and remember how horrible it is. Yeah. But at least it has Oscar Isaac and that's a benefit, but it's still horrible. So that's like as biblical as I get at any point <laughs> in time. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens because originally this film was supposed to be out in November and they they pushed it back oh to March to come out at Easter time and actually East, swapped Easter, it yeah. with the now dearly departed uh, current war. <laughs> so, <Ooh>. yeah. <laughs> so Aww. that, yeah, it's very interesting. So we'll see if the extra time was good or if it was just to get it out of award season or we'll see what happens, but I don't know. So we also had, there were several trailers this week. We also got a trailer for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And I don't know about y'all, but I felt zero feelings watching this trailer. <laughs> so the last Jurassic World, the last Jurassic World was one of the worst movies of the year that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated yeah. every second of it. I hated Chris Pratt's smarmy douche nozzle performance. I mean, like Bryce Dallas Howard was too good for this movie. And I feel so terrible that she had to run in those high heel shoes and act like she wanted Chris Pratt's D the whole time um, and children, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I don't care how you want to defend it, Twitter people, but they ripped apart a woman needlessly. Okay. Yeah. Like, there was no point. Yeah, so right. um, I already could give a shit about another movie. And the trailer for this, which this is directed by J.A. Bayona, who did The Orphanage and is actually, he did A Monster Calls as well as The Impossible. Don't ask me why the hell he would want to make one of these movies. Um, um, I mean, probably a big fat paycheck. Money, <laughs> yeah, money. I was gonna paycheck. say, I, I hate to say, hate to say money, but I'm gonna say money. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. Um, I mean, it's great that that they got, uh, what is it, Jeff Goldblum back, but honestly, I'm, I'm hoping the volcano wins. <laughs> Something tells me the volcano <laughs> will win, but I'm okay with this. Um, and that comes out June twenty second. So the one good thing about it is yeah. that it appears that Bryce Dallas Howard is wearing sensible footwear. So and and Chris <laughs> Pratt hasn't lost any of that douchiness. So yeah. you know, if you like that, that there you go. Exactly there you are. So speaking, speaking of, of horrible Pratt. action. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and speaking of Chris Pratt, he and the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy are joining the Avengers in Infinity War. We saw a trailer for that. And um, 
We talked about that a little bit last week, didn't we? No, I don't believe I think we, we did, did actually. I don't or, remember. Or we might, yeah, we might not have. I don't remember. But um yeah, so Infinity War trailer's out. There's lots of stuff to behold. There's gonna be so many characters in this movie. That that could, that <laughs> is gonna be a supersized movie. Um it yeah. I have I have yeah, heard rumors of up at I I mean the in a while back there was rumors of upwards of like sixty characters in that thing. Mm-hmm. And I know I for I was not feeling it for that trailer. I have been there for pretty much every every Marvel movie, with the exception of I have yet to catch the new Spider Man. And that trailer worried me a touch. From uh, Thanos just looking like Bruce Willis, you know, but colored purple. To how dare they ruin my beloved Josh <laughs> Broom in that yeah. way? I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, bearded Cap Sad. was a plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bearded lumberjack I, cap was really a plus true. for me. But and... I am totally okay with that. I just pulled up the cast list because I was like, I just gotta look. So this is who's on the cast on IMDb in in the order that they're listed here: Karen Gillan, Tessa Thompson, Josh Brolin, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hiddleston, Palm Clementine, Elizabeth Olsen, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans. Robert Downey Jr., Sebastian Stan, Chadwick Boseman, Benedict Cumberbatch, Zoe Saldana, Kobe Smulders, Jeremy Renner, Dave Bautista, John Favreau, Denai Guerrera, Paul Bettany, Paul Rudd, Mark Ruffalo, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Peter Dinklage, Gwyneth Paltrow, Benicio Del Toro, Don Cheadle, Terry Notary, I don't know who that is, Sean Gunn, Benedict Wong, Anthony Mackie, Letitia Wright. Um, now we're getting into names I don't recognize. So that, but yeah. So basically, everyone who's been in a Avengers or Marvel movie up till now, everybody who's been in a Marvel movie is now in a super Marvel yes. movie. Except so, I so don't see get... Jeff Goldblum on here. So God damn it! I know. So so they all get what like five minutes of screen time. I mean, maybe, and some of them will just like be in a scene if, and probably if, not. If you squint, you can see the smaller ones probably in the back of a fight scene. Yeah, exactly. Now rumor is that some major person is going to die possibly more than one so that'll clear the clear the space a little <laughs> they're they're entering so. into a new phase and i've heard they as are. many as like 20 20 more films have been planned and mapped out oh, oh my, my God. goodness so i okay as a as a person that loves marvel i'm like even I am like, okay, it's time to like slow it down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> saturating the marketplace, guys. Exactly, exactly. So uh, that will be out May 4th, I believe. That sounds right. Um, yeah, I think it's May 4th, 2018. Yes, that is correct. That happens to be Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. So uh, one other trailer that came out this week was Alita Battle Angel. And I don't know anything about this other than that the trailer did not make me want to see it. So, who wants to talk about this? Um, I, I will throw out some knowledge. Um, I don't know any. I know that this has been a movie that they've been trying to make for years uh, based on an anime. Um, it's a story about a woman who is trying to discover stuff about herself. She's some type of, like robot crafted out of spare parts um this is being produced by james cameron directed by robert rodriguez who i thought had just disappeared um because he certainly took his sweet ass time making a movie um after his last film which was 
What was his last movie? Robert Rodriguez? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Sin City. Sin City. Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which I think put him in director jail in 2014. That movie I was going to say, that was like three years ago. Oh, that movie is horseshit. Um, and I, I was so excited for that when it came out. Um, so yeah, this is his uh, return to uh, directing, and the trailer looks like crap. He's been in um, TV looking at it yeah mm-hmm. this has this has a really good cast it's got like jennifer conley and michelle rodriguez and i wish christoph waltz would fire whoever is um putting him in these movies yes, mahershala they... ali <laughs> mahershala ali is in this um post oscar um so and uh rosa salazar is a newcomer who plays the the character the problem that i'm having is did anybody else think that her character is just that robot baby from the last uh uh, twilight film (laughs) yes i i i get in anime why you have the big eyes it doesn't work in a film other than to just play up like the ways that men want women to look i mean she looks like a disney character in reality and that's terrifying and disheartening Mm -hmm. um so if it's the story of like christoph waltz makes a woman and then she has to like fight stuff i'm sorry keep it i i don't i don't need it in my life so yeah robert rodriguez is this if this is what you've been doing with your time uh i i think you could have found a better way to do it um so yeah this this doesn't look good this comes out july 20th um, watch the trailer and be terrified. See, I love yeah. Christoph Waltz, but I, you're not the first. I was at a screening of Downsizing, actually, where I was sitting next to somebody who was vehement in him needing, Waltz needing to fire his agent and quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He needs to get someone better. I mean, he's an Oscar winner. Come on, dude. <laughs> what are you yeah, doing? Exactly. He's he's so. interesting. He's charismatic. But, man, these, these roles are terrible that he's yeah. he's fallen into. Ryan Reynolds can salvage his career. Christoph Waltz can salvage his career, too. Exactly. Exactly. And back to this film, though, really quickly. I think, Lauren, I think you were the one that said exactly what I was thinking of, like, the eyes. I just could not sit there and watch those eyes through a whole movie. So. Yeah, it, exactly. It's not... I don't care what the quality of this film is. Like, I... It could... This... People could be like, no, this is the greatest film that has been made in the past 10 years. Just like, I cannot look at a character with those eyes for two hours. It's no. not going to happen. Uh-uh. Nope. Just <laughs> not going to do it. So. Done. Um, yeah. So there you go. Next summer. So. Um, all right. So that's it for trailers this week. I'm sure there are some more big stuff coming uh, in the next week or two as we get closer to the end of the year now people are starting to advertise for next year so but um, moving on from that we got some listener questions that I am so sorry we didn't get a chance to get around to last week but we're going to talk about them this week so the first one comes from Ryan McDermott and it's actually there's even a little bit more to talk about now because this has expanded a little bit as precursor awards and nominations have been announced he asks Thoughts on people being butthurt about Tiffany Haddish as a potential Oscar nominee and about comedy bias in general. So Tiffany Haddish stars in um, Girls Trip. Girls Trip. Girls Trip. I was like, oh, there were two that came around at the same time. I hope I have the right one. Which I just rented from Redbox because I guess I need to see what everybody is talking about. Right. There you go. So Tiffany Haddish is in Girls Trip, which came out this summer. It was... Not like a huge, huge blockbuster, but considering that it was an all-female, all-women-of-color cast, it did really well. 
um, it exceeded expectations and people love this movie and they think it's fantastic and I have not seen it yet so I don't know but to just really quickly sum up Tiffany Haddish so far this year has been nominated for a Broadcast Film Critics Award for Best Actress in a Comedy for Girls Trip and for Best Supporting Actress. She got the same nominations in the Detroit Film Critics Society. She was nominated by the NAACP Image Awards and she won Best Supporting Actress from the New York Film Critics Circle. So she's doing pretty well with this character that people originally had written off as just a genre character. And uh, now it's, you know, a lot of people, myself included, have her in their predictions to go forward and be nominated for Best Supporting Actress for an Academy Award. So I think it's a it's a pretty big deal. But what do you guys think about all the people that are so mad about this and trying to diminish her work? So, I, I mean, I haven't seen the movie. Um, I hope to in the next, you know, 24 or 48 hours. Um, I, I think it's been a long time since we've seen, you know a woman of color in a comedy get nominated. I mean, I can't think of, of any. Maybe Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, you know, that's about it. Um, and I'm sure somebody can tell me that there was someone before her. Um, I mean, we we saw this when Melissa McCarthy got nominated for Bridesmaids. You know, it was the concept of, but I didn't feel it as vehement about how it was undeserved. I mean, I, I know a lot of people were like, oh, you know, the movie's not that good. But I didn't feel that they were really undermining McCarthy's performance. I know a lot of people that even if they didn't like the movie, liked her. So, you know, if 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 in the landscape of what we have right now, a woman of color in a comedy can break the mold, we should be celebrating that. And considering the Oscar contenders that we're going to get this year, I mean, this is going to be a very weird year that I think is going to comment on, on what's been happening mm-hmm. election-wise. Uh, you know what? If we're going to praise a woman of color in a comedy in a year that has been nothing but, like, hot garbage sauce, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. Kimber- uh, Kimberly or Lauren, either uh, Go ahead, Lauren. Uh, no, I, I was just going to like basically repeat the same thing uh to to say that yes i i absolutely agree and it's um again have not seen the film so i i feel like i i can't i obviously can't say oh yeah her her performance deserves an oscar we do underrate comedy we underrate um women of color we have a tendency to just be like oh comedy is this other this other category that doesn't count in some way in terms of performances and Comedy's hard. Comedy's, it is a lot harder to make people laugh than it is to make them cry. And for for a woman of color then to actually get nominated for being in a comedy, I think that would be awesome. And I would 100% support that. Not even having seen the film, I would support that. So yeah, go for it. And I don't know why people are mad about this. The only thing that I can think of is that you're either mad because comedy is going to, I don't know, undermine Meryl Streep in the post. <laughs> Or, um, they're not even going to be competing in the same category. So it's like, yeah, what are you mad about? Or because you're a racist. So, you know, choose one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like how many of the people that are mad about this have not even seen the movie? You know, I want to know how many people have seen Girls Trip and seen Tiffany Haddish's performance and are like, no, she doesn't deserve to be nominated because I'm not hearing from that crowd. 
I could I could talk every year about somebody who I don't feel should have won. Mm-hmm. I mean, like yeah. really, um, if we're gonna if we're gonna begrudge Tiffany Haddish an Oscar nom, because we're not talking a win, we're talking about a nom. Right. Um, I could I could tell you about like all the dudes that I wish didn't win their damn award. Eddie Redmayne, mm-hmm. looking at you, guy. <laughs> okay, y'all thought I was gonna say Casey Affleck. No, I have way bigger problems with Eddie fucking Redmayne having an Oscar. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Kim. I uh, and unfortunately, I feel bad pulling up because I haven't seen the film either. Um, I, I was. I will watch it for all of us and report back. I, I plan to I watch it. I just it. haven't done it yet. It's so. it's it is on my list. At this summer when that came out, I think I was blinded and seeing Wonder Woman six times at the time, so I, I <laughs> did not see much else. Um, I am just so sick of the genre, you know, the bias against genre. There are so many, you know, the bias against genre, the bias against anything that comes out before November. The studios, you know, load so much into December and January that you can pretty much peg what's going to get nominated before it even comes out. And there are so many brilliant films that come out of the summer, that come out of, you know, the first half of the year. You know, there are superhero films that you know kick ass there's you know get out there's tons of these movies that just get overshadowed because the genre they're you know they're quote-unquote popular um whether or not it's you know but inherent biases in the academy and i mean this is what that the first year where we'll have a slightly different voting demographic so we'll see how that changes things but it's just the the bias against these films as a whole, you know, comedy included. Just, it makes me sad. You know, let's let's see how it goes. I mean, I you know can't speak anything as I haven't seen the film. I can't speak to her performance. But based on what I've heard about Girls Trip, and I have seen some amazing, you know, I've seen some great reviews, and it's been really kind of creeping up in my you know my list to watch in the last few months. You know go for it. I, I'd, I'd love to see it happen. Yeah. I mean, I honestly didn't watch Girls Trip because I don't tend to enjoy raunchy comedies, but I think anything that's, you know, giving giving women an opportunity to shine, like, what? how is that bad? You know? And it's yeah. interesting to me, because we've all talked about, you know, everyone says that comedy is so much harder, and people in the film industry know that comedy is so much harder than drama, and it's weird that they still look down on it when when it comes to great comedy films being recognized it's very strange paradox there so uh so thank you ryan for your question we got another question from hello it's poxo i don't i hope i'm not butchering that does anybody know that's that's what i've been saying okay if it's incorrect, please send us a corrected phonetic spelling of it. So so the question is, favorite actors from now who you think of as an actress from the 60s? Um, I, uh, I would say uh, Jessica Chastain. Yeah. I think she's got uh, a very, I mean, if you look at, it, I, I determine the 60s based on whether you want poppy bubblegum like a like a Jane Mansfield uh or like a Shirley MacLaine versus like a serious actress of the time like a Jill Clayburgh who I guess I would be maybe be more of the 70s so yeah I I would say Jay Chaz um mostly because I think she could rock the hell out of the 60s oh yeah uh, where sure. if we're going for like the the Jane Mansfield type of like simplistic I don't know if I could think of anybody but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jay Chaz I think that's a good choice 
Lauren, Kimberly? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to do total cop-out and say Rachel Sterling, who's in yes, fact Diana Riggs' answer. daughter. <laughs> and looks exactly like Diana Riggs. So naturally she looks like an actress from the 60s. She does, actually. She she has a quality to her. She's actually done a lot of um, uh, films set in, or TV shows actually set in like the 1930s and 40s. But she does still have that very kind of 60s, toughness to her that that her mother had and uh that she's kind of carried through i i am still advocating for her to someday actually be in a remake of the avengers but there you go amazing (laughs) can't believe you have Um, i i'm not sure if i could back that the only actress that popped into my head was natalie portman um and i'm not sure where i'm kind of pulling that from perhaps it's a physical thing i kind of really like I draw this comparison with like her and Twiggy, just this very like mid to late sixties or well, heck even going back to the breathless, just this air about her, this quality that just harkens back to the decade. I I do want to throw out really briefly because I, I, you brought up Twiggy um, and I know the movie didn't do well, but I have a soft spot for it, but Santa Miller. Yeah. When she did uh, a factory girl. Yeah, when she was Edie Sedgwick. I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I I think it, she's really good in it. So, yeah. Mine's probably a little bit of a cop-out because of the series that made her kind of a, you know, big name. And that's Christina Hendricks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. There's my Jane Mansfield. Yeah. There you go. Like, she's just, she seems like she was just plucked right out of the 60s and plopped into now. You know, like, she just exudes that everything about that like she's got that sensuality and she's funny and she oh she's I I love Christina Hendricks so that's mine so we actually had two questions from hello it's Paxo the second one was Oscar edition sibling Oscar edition sorry which Hemsworth Liam or Chris has a better chance at winning an Oscar because the other one doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. There are only two Hemsworths. There are only two Hemsworths. Um, you know, I think because the one is making slightly better movies, I'm going to say Chris. At least he's worked with Oscar-winning directors. Um, Liam Hemsworth's made one good movie in his career. And yeah, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Chris Hemsworth. All right, Lauren? Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. He, he's actually a very good actor he uh, really is. And, and I think eventually he's gonna get um, he's gonna get one of those parts that is just gonna hit something and and he'll wind up with an Oscar and I will be there to enjoy it <laughs> Kimberly I think we all will same Chris <laughs> I associate poor Liam still with the you know the YA Nicholas Sparks yeah. type fair so right now it's Chris I don't th- I think Liam could have it in him but he just needs to start getting meteor parts. Yeah. And this is another really good one. Uh, Cause just five years ago, my answer probably would have been different. Which fanning Dakota or L? L. L all the way. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Dakota, but yeah, it's, it's all about, it's all about L that, that really has to like chap her ass. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe she's a really supportive sister, but it's like asking the Olsen twins if they ever thought that, you know, the little one was going to come through and they weren't <laughs> going to be the center of attention. Right. Well, and this is where I say, like, when I preface that, like, a few years ago, my answer would have absolutely been Dakota. She was everywhere. She was so cute and precocious, and she was pretty doing really good stuff. But somewhere along the way, Elle just kind of stepped up and just, she's incredible. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Kimberly? I am very, I'm not well 
I can't speak too well to the Fannings. Um, I've always liked Dakota. I, I know Dakota a bit more, just her work. But from everything I've been hearing, I'd have to go with Kristen and say L as well. All right. Cool. So thank you both so much for those questions. And of course, if you have any questions, you're always welcome and encouraged to please send them our way because we love getting questions. So uh, we are going to finish up on our we're continuing on with our year-end accolades and we have uh, two categories this week that we want to talk about for our year-end Citizen Dame Awards and I'm actually going to switch the order on the list ladies. Uh, the first one is best child performances of the year. So Kristen who you got? So I, I have two. Um, I, I actually have McKenna Grace from I, Tonya. She plays she plays little Tanya Harding um, in the beginning of the movie, and I thought she was really. It's not a it's not a big performance that involves a lot of dialogue, but I thought it was really fun to just watch her facial expressions the entire time. So I thought I thought she was really good. Um, my number one favorite child performance, though, and we I think we mentioned this when we talked about the film um, way back in the beginning. Um, Jack Dylan Grazer uh, as Eddie yes. in It. I I've made no bones about the fact that that is pretty much me hit the hypochondria and all of that, and I think he's got great comedic timing. He's so funny. Uh, I, I just I loved every scene that this kid was in. Uh, you know what? Right, he's writing his own ticket to Hollywood. He's great. Uh, Lauren. Well, yeah, I've got two. I actually completely forgot about the kids in It, so I feel kind of ashamed. <laughs> um, but no, we'll I come have back two. around to them in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anthony Gonzalez in Coco, he played Miguel, yes. and I loved him. I thought he did great voice work in that, um, really choice. affecting and just a very a very strong performance. Um, and the other one is actually a television actor Noah Schnapp in Stranger Things. He plays Will Byer. Mm-hmm. And if if anyone has seen the full series of Stranger Things, the particularly this season, he really does come into his own. You know, Will's not wasn't really in. The series that much uh, in the first season, second season, he's just spectacular, and he does a he runs a great gamut of emotions and just really performs kind of the trauma that this kid is going through, and the confusion and the hope. And he he's he's a very good young actor. I really hope that you know he continues to mature as an actor and becomes uh, something truly great as an adult. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And Kimberly, how about you? Um, I have to echo Kristen from my first one with Jack Dylan Grazer as well. He was the first one I popped up, and I know I gushed about, you know, what I thought about that Eddie performance in episode two or three, or whenever we talked about it. And in child performances, he was just absolutely stunning, the comedic timing. I'm looking forward to really seeing what he can do. The other one just I kind of stumbled on recently, and it was kind of Brooklyn Prince and the Florida Project. Um, I just uh, recently mm-hmm. watched that screening and it was, that was kind of a hard character for me because there were parts where it was kind of, you know, it, the character I didn't feel for, but the last what, three minutes of that film were just so gut-wrenchingly just, it's such a grounded, real, just beautiful performance from her that that was, that moment just broke me and I thought she just, that sold me on, you know, that movie. Yeah. Definitely. That is one I, I haven't seen. And you haven't seen I the Florida Project? Get. It never came to uh, my town. Oh my gosh. Oh. 
and we did not get screeners because A24 hates us. So, yeah, I did not get to see it. Wow. Oh, wow. I know, right? Okay. I was wondering why you haven't been talking more about this movie, so now it all makes sense. Yeah, I I have not seen it. I wanted to, but apparently no one wants me to. Wow. That's crazy. I know. Sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay, so mine... My number one was also Jack Dylan Grazer, actually. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, a shout out to all the kids from it because they were all fantastic. And I think that, you know, some of them didn't get the opportunity to stand out as much as they could have because their characters were not written as well as they should have been. They were kind of, you know, there were some things that were changed around from the book, like, especially Mike Hamlin's character. You know, it mm-hmm. just, it really bothered mm-hmm. me what they did with that. But I think all the kids were fantastic. But, Two in particular are Jack Dylan Grazer and Sophia Lillis. They were just standouts. In a cast of really great performances, those two managed to stand out. And they seemed like they had both been doing this for years. And like they were just old hats at it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what each of them does in the future. So, yeah. And then uh, one more award category for this week. We're going to finish up with our favorite celebrity crushes of 2017. I feel like this this category should be the Kristen Lopez Celebrity Crush Memorial Award. Um, because we all know that I inspired it. So, um, well, I just yeah. want to say, like, on our show notes, this is for everyone who's listening who doesn't get the opportunity to see our continuing show notes. I wrote on there Max Five ish. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think you guys are gonna be very disappointed because I only have three from this year. Well actually uh yeah no I had a four. I have four. Okay. Alright well why don't you <laughs> I, start I, us off then? Oh god. Okay you're making me just go all right. Okay. Yep. So number four because I realized something, it, because this year has felt interminably long, that technically my Army Hammer love started this year. Uh, it started in January. So he'd be my number four. And we put we put the whole show around him, pretty much. So I feel like I don't need to waste time uh, discussing him anymore. Number three would be uh, Greta Gerwig. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I... I... I, I I've been a fan of Greta Gerwig, but I wasn't, like, a huge fan. And then I met her this year, and she is just delightful, and I love her. So she's my number three. My number two was actually a revelation I had about 48 hours ago when I was talking to my mom. <laughs> uh, because, because we were talking about Lady Bird, and I was doing something, and she's all, so, you know, when are you going to admit that you love Timothy Chalamet? And I was like... Wait, what? He's legal. And she's like, yeah. I, yeah. I know he's legal. It's just weird, okay? Because I had, like, a clueless level moment. Like, oh, my God. I do. <laughs> so I think I love him now. Um, thank God I came to this realization after I had met him and I wasn't, like, a creep. Um, because I would have been. Um, so, yeah. I think that's, like, a thing now between him and I. Uh, I blame the hair. The hair is just so <laughs> fucking amazing um okay and then number one if anybody follows me on twitter um i have spent all year talking about uh quote unquote redacted on my twitter are you gonna name him are you gonna name him i'm gonna name him (laughs) so if you listen to the podcast you will know who i'm finally talking about um i've been talking about watching movies starring this person all year and i've watched a lot of shit in the last like 
two months. And when I say shit, I mean I have watched some, like, stuff that'll make you question humanity. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number one would 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 be John Bernthal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. who Redacted is. Um, which I've been told I should admit with pride, and I'm saying no, I'm not. Um, He's I delightful. Blame- he is delightful. Um, I blame Wind River. I don't know why. I, I all I was watching it one day, and then I was like, I love him. I would bear his children. What? <laughs> what is going on? Who am I? So, yeah. Uh, that's who it is. So, he's my number one. I hate him, but I also have really disturbing thoughts about him. So, there you go. All right. This has been a really weird, this has been a really weird fucked up year for me. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, who you got? Uh, all right, so you know they're narrowing this down to people this year. Um, but my one of my number ones is Tom Hiddleston. Uh, really? I've always thought he was cute, uh, and I've always known that he was a great actor. But for whatever reason, Loki in Thor Ragnarok, I was just like, oh, <laughs> I really like him, and I do, I do definitely have a thing about these trickster characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, like the fact that he's not quite good and not quite evil. I really do enjoy that. So Tom Hiddleston, he's also just like from everything that I've heard, he's apparently like the nicest human being on the planet. Army Hammer, we have discussed this. Woo! Uh, yes, I joined Kristen in that. He is a national treasure, and we do not deserve him. <laughs> <laughs> True, J- Jason I Momoa. Can't... Jason Momoa's like. Um, part of this is because I've, I have watched interviews with him now, particularly around the time that Justice League came out, and he has been increasingly charming. And just so that combination of, of this incredibly muscular guy at the same time who's just like, oh, and let me tell you about, you know, my, my, the first time that his girlfriend or that his wife and he went out and they had like Guinness and grits. (laughs) Or something like that. It's just incredibly adorable, and he's very, very sweet. And I that it just knocks me over. Other person, Taika Waititi. Dang it, that's on my list too. <laughs> <laughs> For and actually, Taika Waititi is not a result of Thor Ragnarok. It's a result of finally uh, this this year was the first time I actually watched What We Do in the Shadows, and uh, and I I saw him, and then I was just like, oh. Oh, he's interesting. <laughs> oh, I like him. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Chris Pine. Yes. Uh, his performance in Wonder Woman just really, really got me. And I, I again, I think I, I think it was this year that I actually watched uh, Hell or High Water, which he gives a brilliant performance in. Up until this point, I have thought about him primarily as the sort of a lesser Chris. <laughs> and oh, no. he's the best Chris. Uh, and now he is just he is now he is one of the superior. He he is the best Chris, and he is one of the superior Chris's in my. Group. I am glad that so, Lauren Lauren has so become yeah. a pine nut. I am all for this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so yeah, all right, Kimberly, what, what, <laughs> oh, who do you have be, for us? Oh, this is going to be so hard, um, especially putting in any kind of order. Um, thinking probably towards number five, uh, Donald Gleason, who mm-hmm. I knew a bit in you know previous years, but. Uh, for some strange reason, and I can't explain it, uh, The Force Awakens really kind of opened my eyes to. Um, you would say it awakened something? <laughs> the Force Awakens awakened me. That that happens to all of us. That's what's going to happen to me on Monday when I actually go see it. 
And mm-hmm. so, um, Brendan Gleeson's son, um, he had done About Time is just such just a sweet movie. And he's had a great, Aww. he's having, he had a really great kind of end of 2016 and it's kind of propelled him into a fairly solid 2017 as well. I, um, Goodbye Christopher Robin made me sob, you know, shamelessly throughout the entire thing. And she, really waiting on you know bated breath for the last jedi and whatever happens with that i have to echo lauren with chris pine i was also thought of him as the boring chris that i really didn't care for and i mean y'all have been missing out i I I respected (laughs) the hell out of him after um hell or high water but wonder woman really opened my eyes to him as being one of those chrises and just everything about that performance just won me over and he's I think he's leapfrogged up to my favorite Chris um (laughs) Benedict Cumberbatch yesterday today and forever um oh goodness there and then going to television uh real quick Rupert Evans um who is one of the leads in the man in the high castle another one who had kind of seen kind of coming up through the ranks and you know movies like hellboy and things like that he's just adorable everything about him and really a solid actor can't wait to see what he does and number one actually and number one um going along the lines with the punisher and marvel i'm gonna have to jump in and throw out my love for charlie cox uh daredevil he's just i gonna i could just gush forever but he's one of my favorites and you know the marvel the netflix universe and just so cute and adorable and i love him he is marvel (laughs) is putting something in the water okay and i am not supportive of this at all you just don't know Kristen. you just don't know i have been watching a fucking marvel show and it still just kills me that i am pandering to this well mine are um so in my number five spot, I've also got Taika Waititi. I had seen What We Do in the Shadows a couple of years ago because it actually played at AFI. And it was this weird little movie that people were talking about. And I was just like, oh, all right, I'll try to go see it. And I didn't get a chance. So then I emailed the publicist and I was like, is there any way I can get a screener? So they send it to me. And I watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, that is pretty funny. But I didn't really get the appreciation until this year. And it wasn't his work in Thor Ragnarok that sold me. It was all of his promotion around it. And just seeing all these, like, interviews. And I was like, this is the coolest guy in Hollywood. He's awesome. I want to (laughs) hang out with him. My number four is actually someone who I started to have appreciation for last year. But this year he kissed me on the face twice. And that is Sterling K. Brown. I love him and I adore him and (sighs) he's married and he was talking to his wife (laughs) while we were there while I was standing there in front of him but you you act like that's have we not have you not talked to me (laughs) I've told you that this is Hollywood okay exactly (laughs) well you know so uh my number three is not the best Chris because I have loved him since Prince's Diaries too, y'all. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Me and Karen. Me and Karen were on the right side of history. That's right. But <laughs> it is another Chris, and that is a Chris that I have appreciated for a couple of years. But then when he took off that helmet and he had short hair in yes. Thor Ragnarok, I was like, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. I love you. Yeah. Uh, see, I was I was there from the get go with oh. that one. I've okay. always appreciated him. I thought he was adorable, but that sold short me. Short hair. Like, I'm, oh, I was done. Amazing. Um, 
My number two is actually Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot. Yes. Oh my that gosh, would be, I love She would her. be an honorable yeah. mention. Oh, she is just... I love her performance as Wonder Woman, and I love all of her interviews. I love how active she is on social media. And did you guys see that picture that was going around of the little girl dressed as Wonder Woman? I think it was at the premiere, and they're... Like, she's standing above her, like, looking down. Just the looks on both of their faces was so precious. And I just, uh, I love her. And let's and let's not forget that I'm pretty sure her smile could cure cancer. I I mean, it's that amazing. They need to get some human trials on that immediately. Yes. (laughs) So, and then my number one shocked the hell out of me, actually. Because this is someone that I have admired for a long time, but I never saw as really, like, a crush type of person until a certain movie came out and it's not his work in the movie but again all the promotion around it and that is james franco nice really i have just found this newfound love of james franco and i think what has sold me on him is like i want him to look at me the way he looks at tommy wazo like holy crap I just love how passionate he is about this film and how much he loves everything about it and how he just is so happy. He's just so happy to be here. And I I just love seeing that enthusiasm and he's just awesome. So there you go. There's my five. I, I do want to throw out an honorable mention because go you it. and I, I told you this when we met him. When did Jamie, when did Jamie <laughs> Bell get hot and why did no one tell me? Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying yeah, that's an honorable nice. mention, and he smells like spearmint, and it's amazing. So, Aww. just throwing that out there. Yeah. Like, when did that happen? See, fond, fondness for me since the Billy Elliot days, and the yeah, watching that movie too. It's like, oh, oh, you're adorable. See, now. nope, oh. he is adorable, and I second that he smells. like Yes, that yes, movie, so. you were Spearmint. there, you were there, yeah. and it was. I amazing. was. <laughs> it, and he's very sweet. So, all oh, right, good. Yeah. So, uh, if you have any celebrity crushes you would like to name and add to our list, or any questions or any comments that you have about anything that we've talked about or things you want us to talk about, you can always follow us uh, and tweet us. We are on Twitter at Citizen Dame Pod. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Citizen Dame. And Kristen, where can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Journeys underscore Film. And Lauren? I'm at LH Business on Twitter. Kimberly? I'm on Twitter at KPier624. And I am also on Twitter at Karen. No, yeah. Sorry, Karen M. Peterson. <laughs> to think about that for a second. And and don't forget, you can uh, download the to the show via our Podbean account, which is citizendame.podbean.com, or you can also download us on Stitcher Radio. And please, if you like the show or if you dislike the show and you've somehow been listening for the last twelve episodes, uh, leave us a comment or a review on face or on iTunes because that helps us in the long yes, run. Yes, please, please, please. Especially if you like the show, rate and review. And tell your friends to listen to us, too. So on behalf of myself and Kristen and Lauren and Kimberly, thank you so much for listening and have a great week.
can't believe you changed it again. Oh, I changed it a little bit. Yeah, why? I just played it the way Buzzoni would have played it if he'd altered Liszt's version. And what is wrong with Bach, the way Bach would have played Bach's Bach version? Bach never wrote it for the guitar. In fact, we're not even sure Bach wrote Forget it. Forget I asked. 